Where are the kids going? Seriously? Bye, guys. See y'all. So Colossians 3.16 says um, some really neat words, and I, um, I'm realizing uh, what time it is, what day it is, um, that today is a significant day in the life of our church, and so um, I might just park a couple of thoughts and, and unpack them next weekend. Is that, is that fair? It's disturbing my spirit, so if you can give me permission, I'll do that. Otherwise, I'm good, I'm good with another 40 minutes or so, because I'm really excited about this text. Colossians 3.16 um, reads this way, and we're wrestling with this question, and it's for me, it's a really good question. Um, what would it look like if Christ, the Word of Jesus Christ, uh, came and dwelled among us? I mean, what would it truly look like for um, the living Word, the written Word, the indwelling Word to come and mix it up among a people? And a Colossians just describes it this way. It says in chapter 3, verse 16, um, Let the message or the Word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and as you admonish one another, and as you're going to do that, you're going to do that with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. You're going to sing to God, and it's going to have gratitude flowing from your hearts. And uh, I just I started to ask that question. Actually, I did ask that question, and you've answered. Um, when I finished preaching last week, my phone had about 25 texts on it of you answering me as to what what it would look like if Jesus really lived among us and richly dwelt here. I mean, it ranged from things like there would be just this consuming prayer that would happen in our fellowship. There would be a humility that would define us. There would be, you could just go up to Colossians 3, and I've received almost every one of these. There would be a compassion that was defining this church. There would be this incredible move of God that we, we couldn't stymie. I, I love um, just all the notes that I received. And um, I, I just started to think about this and say to the Lord, what would it look like? And so my heart was drawn to the book of Acts. And just really reading through the book of Acts a couple of times this week and just saying, Jesus, what was happening among a church where you were dwelling and it was rich and it was exciting. And, and the first thing that I saw was my last question last week, which is this. If Jesus is dwelling among us, it appears not just in Acts, the second chapter, but going all the way through the book of Acts, it appears that the richness of Christ among followers of his who are giving chase to his glory, um, there will be people who are coming to know him in an intimate, personal way. The gospel will be prevalent among a people, among a people who really allow him to be everything among them. And so the question then that I threw out is, if, I don't know how to say it without being pointed, if we're not seeing people come to know the Lord day in and day out, how should we be wrestling? What questions should we be asking? What should we be saying to the Lord? Just simply saying, look, God, we understand that it is your providence. It is your drawing. It is your sovereignty. And yet there's also this beautiful picture of your work and your mighty spirit and your presence among the church. And so, Holy Spirit, we really want to be as best that we can a people whose lives are completely freed in your spirit. And the people who are looking at you and saying, Lord God, move among us in profound ways for your glory. Um, some of the answers that you, that you shared with me were, were just beautiful. Most of what would happen wouldn't necessarily be here. 
It wouldn't be the things that are going down on Sunday mornings. And this is where I think salvation springs up from the ground among the body of believers who are saying this to God. And it says it will happen in soup kitchens and orphanages and foster homes. And it'll happen at Walmart. I don't really care to go to Walmart that often. So can we go with Target also? It will happen there. And it would just be, I mean, just Christ consuming. Um, It will be food for the hungry, a shoulder to weep on, a bed to sleep in. All of those who cannot provide these things for themselves, they will be taken care of. And with that, which would be Jesus saying, look, give them a cup of cold water, but then let's sit down in the book of John, the fourth chapter, and recognize that that water still will not prevail and still will not satisfy. And so engage in the further conversation and say, the cup of water I just gave you, the burger I just gave you, the bed I just gave you, you will sleep in it for a night and you'll be weary tomorrow. So let me tell you why I gave you that cup of water. Here is a supply of water in Christ that will never cease to never cease to to quench your thirst. So I just wonder what it would look like as you're sharing with me, this is what you're saying to me, Mark, it would look like a people loving people they don't know yet with the love of Jesus Christ. Simply because they need it, we have it, we share it, there needs to be more of us. That was really simply said, but I don't even know if I can redo that. Simply because this world's need it and this world needs it, we have it. We have this incredible gift of the Spirit of God that is moving among us as a body of believers. And it is incumbent upon us to just share this. And and as I read through the book of Acts, I just began to wrestle with this. And I want to introduce one verse to you and just say, look, we're going to unpack this verse next week. But as I read through the book of Acts, I just saw some powerful things. I saw what I've already alluded to. I read that salvation was springing up among the people, that Christ was drawing men and women, children to himself. And I, I would just ask, will you join me in praying that? That the Spirit of God will be rich and thick. And here's what I, here's what I fear is that, that we, um, as a church, uh, become so compassionate in the realm of orphan care. And, and please don't hear me. Hear me all the way through on this. We've become so compassionate in the realm of, of building an orphanage in Haiti, compassionate in the realm of feeding the hungry, that our heart does not move from compassion for the reality of the temporal nature of that. Don't lose your fire for that. But I'm just wondering, as the early church looked at this, here's what happened among them. As I look at the next step in the early church, I see people coming to know Christ. I see them selling possessions. I see people having needs met. I see that happening as a natural, or better said, supernatural part of the church. But then I see something powerful. I see them recognizing that even though we're meeting temporal needs, there's something far more eternal. I see, I see Stephen, as, as I'm praying for our students, my mind immediately goes to, I believe it's the fifth, fifth chapter of the book of Acts, where I see Stephen as a young man standing and speaking boldly for the sake of the kingdom of Christ. And I see Stephen just living this out. And here's what I see. I see a young man who says, yes, we're going to sell our possessions and meet the needs of the poor. Yes, we're going to sell what we have and feed the hungry. We're going to care for the orphan. We're going to love the widow. But more than that, we're going to care about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we will proclaim that kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that kingdom of Jesus Christ may actually cost us more than what we just sold. It may actually cost us our lives. And I will stand as Stephanos, who... May, whose name would be my joy and crown in the Greek translation of his name. I will stand for the sake of the kingdom of Christ. I love just reading Stephen. His sermon is so much like Peter's. As you just look at mentorship, and his sermon is just speaking out, and he's going, look, 
I know there are temporal things we'll do, but can I proclaim the eternal? Can I just simply stand into lives and speak of the eternal and the passion of Christ as He moves in hearts? And at, at some point, it had to click for them when the faces that He saw weren't receiving it very well that this could cost me my life. And yet, He did not hold back. And in speaking of the eternal, I love this scripture and you can just kind of savor the scripture for a moment. I love the scripture where it says they begin to pelt him with rocks and they begin to take his life from him. And then you get a shot of the heavenly realms. It says that Jesus was sitting at the right hand of the father and as Stephen was crying out similar words to Christ. So if you want to hear this, look, it might cost us something to follow Jesus. We might lay down our lives to follow Jesus. We might sell things to follow Jesus. All of that is extraordinary. And as, and as Stephen is losing his life in a manner that just said, God, eternity is so much better. There was this collision of heaven and earth that I am praying for this church. There was this collision when Stephen looked at Christ and Christ looked at Stephen. He was still breathing his last breath on this earth. And I just love this moment because it says that Jesus stood at the right hand of the Father. That may not mean a lot to me, but it means a lot to me as I start to ask this question, what would it look like for you to dwell here, Lord? It would look like some people who are gladly giving up their lives for the sake of the gospel, who, like I spoke in a wedding yesterday, a young couple who are standing before a group getting married, looking at me in the counseling room before and saying, the decisions we have made as a couple to pursue marriage will probably cost us on this earth. We don't know the price that we're willing to pay. I mean, we don't know the price that we're going to pay. But this young couple sits in my office and said, we're going to go and blissfully be married. But we know that in our marriage, because of where God is calling us, it will cost us. And it's worthy. If you want to know what the dwelling of Christ looks like, it's a whole slew of people who are living their lives, sitting in this room right now saying, may you stand at some moment because of the move of Christ in my heart and among the people that I share life with. Here's what's so beautiful about Stephen that he could never know in that moment. Stephanos, literally, my joy and my crown. Can you not imagine God the Son turning to God the Father and crying out with joy and sorrow and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs over Stephen as he stepped off of earth and into eternity? That's that's just what it looks like to me is the Word of Christ dwells here. Is that there is just this collision. I, I spoke to Dr. Dan I've just got to tell you, when you see us talking near the invitation, it's usually something crazy. Because we're both crazy. And I was, in a good way, we're crazy for Jesus. And I spoke to Dr. Dan, and I just, my heart was so full last weekend, and I just walked down the steps, and I grabbed her to the shoulder, and I said, can you not just picture the day that we gather as a church, and we don't know how to separate heaven and earth? I mean, right, Christ dwells here so richly among us that when the body of believers get together, there are songs going on, and sometimes we look at each other and think, we don't sing that good. You know? There's just this eternal quality that makes up a church that is just profound. 
And I think that's what Colossians 3.16, that's the heart of Paul as he speaks into his church and he looks at this church and says, if you want the peace of Jesus Christ to rule, let the word of Christ dwell. Let it be rich. You know what's going to happen in there? It doesn't mean that there will be stress-free moments. As I read the book of Acts, I see people sacrificing and selling and studying. I see them wrestling over theological issues. I mean, I see them having knockdown dragouts. If we're going to have a knockdown dragout in the church, can it be over the word of Christ dwelling here? I mean, instead of the other trivial things that have nothing to do with eternity, I see them getting together and saying, we're going to travel for dozens of miles and we're going to sit down and we're going to iron out what's going on with the Gentiles. This is a big, we're going to iron out circumcision and we're going to iron out what we're doing with the Pentateuch and the law and how it's going to apply and we're going to wrestle this down. We're going, to, we're going to wrestle over this. Can you imagine the Word of Christ dwelling so much here that we're not walking around going, man, I just flat don't like that. We're walking around going, we're, that church is so passionate for Scripture that they know it so well. You should hear the things that they are passionate for. And here's what happens when Jesus is doing that. It doesn't, what, doesn't cause what it does when most egos are involved. It doesn't cause frisions and brokenness. It causes unity among the body of believers when the pastors and the leaders come in humility and proclaim the gospel over the people and they sit down at a table saying, it is not me, it is Christ. It is not my gain or my knowledge, it is Christ. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's, there's just this, don't, don't just all oh, unity just looks like we're all happy. No, no, no. There is passion among the church. I just read this. I, I love, I love. If you want to know how to fulfill Colossians 3.16b, and they'll sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and they'll do it with gladness, just peek into Paul and Peter, Peter and John, Peter and James. Peek into a prison cell and look and say, how do I look into that? And I love what they say about them. Those guys are belting out songs at three in the morning in the middle of prison, not knowing whether they will be beheaded or beaten the next day. What kind of songs are we singing here? I'm, I'm not real, not really sure that any of our circumstances are probably going to call for us to experience a beating tomorrow. I'm just wondering what songs are being sung here in the middle of many of us are going through extraordinary circumstances. What songs are we singing in the midst of them? Who's with us? It's what the church looked like. It just looked like, God, you know what? As we walk through this, you're moving. I love, I love, the church would look like this. There are people that are praying outside the gate right now. Literally. And, and we don't know who they are. This, if you want to just get fully Jesus mystical, there are Lydia's that are praying outside of the gate and you and I are sitting on another continent right now. And they're just praying and saying, Lord, we're just hoping that some people are praying and will hear your voice and they'll come. I love Paul. That's my favorite parts of the book of Acts. when He's looking and saying, this is where I want to go, but the Holy Spirit keeps stopping me. And then I want to go to Bithynia or Missy. I want to go and, and I just keep circling around and God just keeps saying, I don't know. And then he finally just listens to the Spirit of God and he gets in a boat and he goes across to another continent and he meets a lady and her friends who are praying outside of a gate and he births the church at Philippi. Actually, he had nothing to do with the birth. Jesus Christ launched the church at Philippi and was just looking at a group of people and saying, look, if you will seek my face, if you will pray, 
If you will repent of your sin, if you will come to me in fullness of the glory of who I am, I will probably cause you to walk in circles for a little bit going, Lord, is it Bithynia? Lord, is it Mysia? Lord, is it Haiti? Lord, is it Guatemala? Lord, is it Europe? Lord, is it Asia? Lord, is it across my street? Where are you calling me? And he will answer and his sheep in the midst of his fold will hear his voice and there will be profound moves. I just, that's what it looks like for the word of Christ to dwell among us with richness and with power and with glory and with wonder. And I want next weekend to come back and be super practical because the launching of the church at Philippi was powerful. And I want to read a single verse. I love having friends like this. Uh, Rick Wheeler is a good friend. He's a good friend to many of us in this room. And I love Rick Wheeler when he just has spiritual insights and shares with us. And he just wrote a note to um, some people, I don't know who all, I feel special, so I'll say there's three of us. It's probably hundreds. But he wrote a note and he just uh, he just said, look, I am unpacking this verse. In Philippians 4 and 9, I just want to read it today and then I want to come back next weekend and we're going to look at the actions that are drawn out of the Word of Christ dwelling among us richly. It's in your notes if you want that. Um, but I just, I want to, you can read along with me in your notes. You can read Philippians 4 9 from your scripture. You can open it on your app. But I just want to close here just saying, look, we're going to talk about this a lot next weekend. Do what you have learned. This is the Holman Christian standard version. Just listen to the actions. There's, there's actions that we're just going to unfold next weekend. Do what you've learned and received and you've heard and you've seen. There is a whole lot there. Paul is standing at the church at Philippi and, and giving some closing remarks to a church and saying, look, um, I really want you to do extraordinarily well. This isn't in context of a whole other section of Scripture. This is just like, you know, you get that last minute to say something to somebody and you say five or six things that are important right before your teenager goes out the door at night. These are like the five things I want you to remember before you come back four hours from now. This is what I want you to know, you know? And he's just, this is one of his five things. Do, there's action. What you have learned, received, heard, and seen. And it's been happening in my life, is what Paul says. And I love the out, the out product, the outworking. And the peace of God. And better said, the God of peace will be with you. This is a perfect parallel to Colossians 3.16. In Colossians 3.15, when he says, let the word of Christ dwell among you. As you teach and admonish one another. And as you are doing that, you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, and there's gratitude here. And he backs up one verse. Because the peace of Christ is ruling in your hearts and among your fellowship. I'm praying that. But here's, here's more importantly how we should close. There are people who are outside of the gate right now who are praying for a church, who are listening to the Spirit of God and allowing Him to dwell. May that be us. May that be us, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, praise You.